European Hearts Journal issue at a glance. Volume 38, issue 41. Focus issue on acute coronary syndromes by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Acute coronary syndromes. Early diagnosis, management, and risk prediction. Acute coronary syndromes, or ACS, are an emergency that should be diagnosed and managed as soon as possible. ST-segment elevations myocardial infarctions are an absolute emergency, whereas non-ST-segment elevations myocardial infarctions should be revascularized within 48 hours at the latest, according to guidelines. While for the former, symptoms and the ECG are crucial, for the latter, biomarkers have become the standard of practice, although the recent rule-out algorithm has been controversially discussed, particularly in intermediate-risk patients. This aspect is addressed in a timely review article entitled Early Diagnosis of Acute Coronary Syndrome by Hugo A. Katus and colleagues from the Heidelberg University in Germany. Indeed, the diagnostic evaluation of acute chest pain has been improved recently by advances in the sensitivity and precision of cardiac troponin assays, new biomarkers, improvements in imaging modalities, and release of new clinical decision algorithms. This progress has enabled physicians to diagnose or rule out acute myocardial infarction earlier after initial presentation in the emergency department, which facilitates prompt initiation of evidence-based treatments, investigation of alternative diagnoses for chest pain or discharge, and permit better utilization of healthcare resources. A non-trivial proportion of patients, however, fall in an intermediate category according to rule-out algorithms, and minimal evidence-based guidance exists for the optimal evaluation, monitoring, and treatment of these patients. The following specific intermediate patient categories have to be considered. First, patients with symptoms and high-sensitivity cardiac troponin below the 99th percentile. Second, patients with symptoms and high-sensitivity troponin below the 99th percentile but above the limit of detection. Third, patients with symptoms and high-sensitivity troponin above the 99th percentile, but without dynamic change. And fourth, patients with symptoms and high-sensitivity troponin above the 99th percentile and dynamic change, but without coronary plaque rupture, erosion, or dissection. Definitive evidence is currently lacking to manage these patients whose early diagnosis is intermediate and these areas of uncertainty should be addressed in future research. The management of ACS is a true success story. At the time of Eisenhower's seminal heart attack on September 23, 1955, mortality was staggeringly high, and Wall Street panicked after hearing the news. Neither ECG nor any biomarkers were available, nor was defibrillation introduced or CPR known to physicians. None of the currently used drugs had been developed except morphine for pain relief. Today, mortality of ACS has dramatically decreased about sixfold thanks to modern medicine. In their manuscript entitled Improved Outcomes in Patients with ST Elevation Myocardial Infarction During the Last 20 Years Are Related to Implementation of Evidence-Based Treatments, Experiences from the Sweetheart Registry 1995-2014. to 2014. 
Karolina Summer and colleagues from the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden, analyzed the impact of changes of treatments on outcomes in ST-elevation myocardial infarction, the condition that hit Eisenhower half a century ago. In their amazing real-life sweetheart registry between 1995 and 2014, the authors remind us that most changes in treatment and outcomes occurred from 1994 to 2008. Importantly, evidence-based treatments increased reperfusion from 66.2% to 81.7%, primary percutaneous coronary intervention from 4.5% to 78.0%, dual antiplatelet therapy from 0% to 89.6%, statin use from 14.1% to 93.6%, beta-blocker prescriptions from 78.2% to 91.0%, and angiotensin-converting enzyme or angiotensin-2 receptor inhibitors from 40.8% to 85.2%. As a consequence, one-year mortality decreased from 22.1% to 14.1%, and cardiovascular death from 20.1% to 11.1%, myocardial infarction from 11.5% to 5.8%, while stroke and heart failure somewhat less, from 2.9% to 2.1%, and from 7.1% to 6.2%, respectively. Thus, the authors conclude that the gradual implementation of new and established evidence-based treatments in patients with ST-segment elevation myocardial infarction during the last 20 years is associated with markedly prolonged survival and considerably lower risk of recurrent ischemic events, although a plateauing has been seen since around 2008. This remarkable progress is put into perspective in an editorial by myself and Dr. Sleiman Obeid. P2Y12 blockers such as clopidogrel and more recently prazogrel and ticagrelor have revolutionized the management of patients after stenting and or ACS. The newer molecules have a significant ischemic benefit over clopidogrel after ACS. However, both are associated with an increase in bleeding. In a fast track entitled Benefit of Evolutive Dual Antiplatelet Therapy After Acute Coronary Syndrome, the topic or timing of platelet inhibition after acute coronary syndrome randomized study, Thomas Cuisset and colleagues from the Hôpital de la Timone in Marseille, France, evaluated the benefits of switching from aspirin plus a new P2Y12 blocker to aspirin plus clopidogrel in ACS patients one month after the index event in an open-label, monocentric, randomized trial with 645 patients. Patients with ACS requiring coronary intervention on aspirin and a new P2Y12 blocker and without adverse events at one month, were assigned to switch to aspirin and clopidogrel, the evolutive strategy, or continuation of their drug regimen, the standard strategy. The primary outcome was a composite of cardiovascular death, urgent revascularization, stroke, and bleeding episodes, as defined by the BARC classification of more than or equal to at six months. The primary endpoint occurred in 9.0% in the evolutive group and in 17.6% in the standard. Ischemic endpoints did not differ, 
while BARC bleeding events of two or more occurred in 3.4% in the evolutive group and in 10.2% in the standard group. Thus, the evolutive antiplatelet strategy is superior to a standard strategy to prevent ischemic and bleeding complications following an ACS. The clinical implications of these findings are put into perspective in a thoughtful editorial by Franz van der Werf from the Catholic University Leuven in Belgium. While patients with ST elevation myocardial infarction nearly always present with an occlusion of the culprit artery, this is typically not the case in non-ST elevation myocardial infarction. However, a subset of patients with total occlusion present as non-ST segment elevation myocardial infarction without classic ST elevation on the electrocardiogram. This may lead to delay in diagnosis and further management of such patients. In their article, Impact of Total Occlusion of Culprit Artery in Acute Non-ST Elevation Myocardial Infarction, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis, Deepak L. Bart and colleagues from the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA, performed a meta-analysis to estimate the difference in outcomes between totally occluded and non-occluded culprit arteries in patients with non-ST segment elevation myocardial infarction. A total of 25.5% of patients had an occluded culprit artery with a predominant inferolateral distribution involving the right coronary artery in 40% and the left circumflex artery in 33%. With total occlusion of the culprit artery, there was an increased risk of both MACE, with a relative risk of 1.41, and all-cause mortality relative risk of 1.67. Thus, Better risk stratification is needed to identify such high-risk ACS patients to facilitate earlier revascularization and potentially to improve outcomes, a need that is further discussed in an editorial by Philippe Gabriel Steg from INSERM U698 and Hôpital Bichat-Claude Bernard in Paris, France. A telomere is a DNA region of protective repetitive nucleotide TTAGGG sequences at each end of a chromosome which declines with age from about 11 kilobases at birth to about 4 kilobases in the elderly. It is therefore involved in the aging process. Indeed, telomere length is shortened by oxidative DNA damage reflecting biological aging. As age determines outcome of many cardiovascular diseases, Cara Lambos, Antoniades, and colleagues from the University of Oxford in the UK explore the value of blood and vascular telomere length as biomarkers of oxidative stress in humans and in acute myocardial infarction in their paper Predictive Value of Telomere Length on Outcome Following Acute Myocardial Infarction Evidence for Contrasting Effects of Vascular versus Blood Oxidative Stress. In a prospective cohort of 290 patients surviving a recent acute myocardial infarction, blood telomere length measured on admission was a strong predictor of one-year all-cause mortality with a hazard ratio of 3.21 and a cardiovascular mortality with one of 3.96. Furthermore, Blood telomere length was quantified in 727 patients 
undergoing coronary artery bypass grafting, and superoxide was measured in peripheral blood mononuclear cells, as well as vascular, in saphenous vein and mammary artery segments. Patients were genotyped for functional genetic polymorphisms in P22-FOX, which activates NADPH oxidases and vascular smooth muscle cells selected by genotype and were cultured from vascular tissue. Short blood telomere length was associated with high superoxide levels in mononuclear cells, but not in vessels, whereas vascular telomere length was related to superoxide levels in the mammary artery and saphenous veins. Angiotensin II, to stimulate NADPH oxidases, increased superoxide and reduced telomere length in vascular smooth muscle of carriers of the high-responsiveness P22-FOX alleles. Thus, blood telomere length predicts cardiovascular outcomes after acute myocardial infarction, independently of age, whereas vascular telomere length is a tissue-specific rather than a global biomarker of vascular oxidative stress. The lack of a strong association between blood telomere length and vascular telomere length reveals the importance of systemic, as compared to vascular, factors in determining clinical outcomes after acute myocardial infarction. These novel findings are critically assessed in an editorial by Amir Rezvan from the Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia, USA. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.